Well, I want to welcome everyone, whether you're at one of the three campuses of the Hills Church, North Richmond Hills, West Fort Worth, or South Lake, or you're one of our thousands who listen online or even are watching this video as I speak. Wherever you are, thank you for being a part of what we're teaching and doing here at the Hills. And I wish all of you an awesome, awesome Father's Day. And because this is Father's Day weekend, I want to tell a few father's stories in my teaching, and I'm going to start and end with one. I begin with one of my favorites. There's a father at a grocery store, and in the cart with him is a three-year-old boy who is inconsolable. He is losing it loudly. And as the father pushes him up and down the aisles, you hear him saying, Calm down, Billy. We can do this, Billy. It's just a little longer, Billy. We'll be in the car in five minutes, Billy. We'll be home and see Mama in 15 minutes, Billy. We can do this, Billy. Be a good boy, Billy. And another shopper, an older woman, noticed, and as he was checking out, sympathetically put her hand on his shoulder and said, I just have to commend you for how patient you were with your son, Billy. And the dad said, his name is Wesley. I'm Billy. (laughs) No matter how much you love someone, there are going to be times when the relationship will need you to love higher and harder. So we're in this series we've titled Anothering. And anothering is answering the call of Jesus to be his disciples by loving above the norm. You've heard me say it's hard enough for me to live the golden rule and just to love other people like I want to be loved. But Jesus lays out for disciples the platinum rule. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. And you've heard me say that this is job one for disciples. This is the first thing on the first day of class. This is the primary lesson at the end of the course. This is what's going to be on the exam. This is the bulk of the curriculum. Are you becoming a better anotherer? Because this is the leverage we have in the world. You have no greater mission than this. You have no greater task. Don't be one of those peoples that divorces loving from obedience. You can't be obedient unless you're loving God and loving people. And because of that, we have to, as disciples, be especially on guard against what I would call anothering complacency. And so listen, for example, at what the Apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonian church in chapter 4 of the first letter, verses 9 and 10. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers, To do so more and more. 
So, anotherers are always trying to love above their last attempt at anothering. Or to put it another way, we are to never settle for a static love level. Now remember, nobody in the world should do love one another better than followers of Jesus. In fact, nobody should be able to teach us about loving other people. Look again at what Paul said in verse 9. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Now, how has God taught us? Well, God has taught us first by becoming flesh. And Jesus Christ was love personified. And so you heard me say last time that if you ever want to know how to be obedient to God, if you ever want to know in a particular situation what God wants you to do, ask the question, what would love require? But another way to ask the same question is, what would Jesus do? We don't need anybody else to teach us about love because we have the example and the teaching of Jesus. And so God taught us how to love by becoming love in the flesh. And then he taught us by coming and indwelling us through his spirit, filling us with his love. And so now, when the flesh says, strike back, the spirit within that we are learning to listen to says, no, turn the other cheek. And when the flesh says, it's my coat, the spirit says, give that coat away and don't ask for it back. And when the flesh wants to respond to cursing with stronger cursing, That spirit within says, this is your moment to bless. See, God is love. And the Bible says, we have now become partakers of the divine nature. So what does that mean? That means as a Christian, you have a higher capacity to love people than anybody else in the world. Because you are the partakers of the divine nature of God. Because God's very spirit is living in you. You have the capacity to excel at anothering more than any other people group in the world. But a great capacity needs to be coupled with a great priority. We have to intend to become the anotherers we are capable of becoming. I told you last time, the Holy Spirit can enable you to love at a level you've never loved before. But the Holy Spirit will never make you love anybody more than you want to love them. So, Paul says, be on guard 
against becoming stagnant in your loving. Love above. He says, you do love all the brothers. It's all over Macedonia. But we urge you, do so more and more. That same verse 10 from the message reads this way. Just love one another. You're already good at it. Keep it up. Get better and better at it. This is one of the reasons we've said we gather in meetings like this. So that we can encourage each other to love above where we've been loving. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Because good anotherers are intentional, not accidental. This reminds me of another story about a father. Philip Yancey in his great book, Disappointment with God, tells a very touching story. He was at his mother's house. Now, his mother was widowed before Philip's first birthday. And they were looking through old photographs, and there was a picture of Philip, about eight months old. And it was worn, and it was bent and tattered. And there were a lot of pictures better than this one of him as a baby. And so he asked his mother, why have you kept this picture? And she explained that when Philip's father, as a young man of 24, contracted polio, the disease advanced quickly. Soon he was in what they called back then an iron lung. He spent the last four months of his life in that device, unable to even move his head. And he had one request, that she would bring a picture of herself and of his two boys and cram them inside the knobs of that machine so that he could spend his last days looking at the three people he cared and loved more than any other. And Philip realized that crumpled, tattered photo was the picture his dad, he never knew, stared at every day until he died. And he said, I had a feeling that came back to me. The last time I had it was when I was in a dorm room in college, and I realized the God I never knew really, really did love me. And for the first time, I realized my dad did too. Good anotherers are intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. And so what are some concrete ways we can love above where most people tend to settle? Well, let me give you some ideas. Just by reading the rest of the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul lays out four ways we can love above. And the first is to lift the heart's of the hurting. He's going to immediately raise a concern they have in Thessalonica of people 
who died, and the Thessalonian Christians thought Jesus was coming back soon, they weren't anticipating people dying before Jesus returned. And one of their questions is, what's going to happen to saints who've died before the return of Christ? And so what Paul does is preach the gospel. Paul says, we know that Jesus died. We know that Jesus is raised from the dead. And so because of that, we already know what the future looks like. When Jesus comes back and the archangel shouts and the trumpet is blown, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we who are still alive are going to rise with them and we're going to meet Jesus in the air. And he says, we're going to be with Jesus forever. Isn't it interesting? The church never gets to the place where it doesn't need to hear the gospel. Every big question we face, every big fear we battle is answered by remembering the gospel. And so Paul preaches the gospel to them. And then he says this in chapter 4, verse 18. So encourage each other with these words. That's one way you love people. When they are given into sorrow and grief and fear, you take the gospel to them and you encourage them. See, love rejoices with people that rejoice. But love above will weep with people who are weeping. I've had this experience on many occasions where I go to the hospital and make two visits. The first visit is to a young couple who've just had a brand new, healthy, beautiful baby. The second visit is to an older couple who've just learned that one of them has a disease that is terminal. Now, which visit is harder to make? Love rejoices with those that rejoice, and love above will go and weep with those who weep. This past week, I had the honor of giving a eulogy for a former elder of this church named Pascal White. A lot of you don't know Pascal White, but many of you do. Because no one in this church, in my knowledge, went to more funerals, came by more homes of people who had just lost a loved one, sat in more hospital waiting rooms waiting for the word from the doctor. And as I stood by that coffin for literally an hour and a half, Person after person after person told me their Paschal story of the time he came and lifted their heart when they were hurting. Now, lightweight loving won't go there. Lightweight loving will always avoid situations where pain and grief can only be lessened by sharing it. But Jesus has called his disciples to heavy weight loving. So how do you keep your love level from getting static? One way, Paul says, you go, you lift the hearts of hurting people. You take some of their pain on yourself so they feel better. A second way is you overwhelm your leader's with honor. A very important principle for anothering is that authority is to be affirmed. 
In the workplace, as Christians, we give respect to those we work for. We respect those in government positions. Even though we don't always agree with them, we always give them respect. We respect those in authority in our homes, especially our fathers. And then we respect those in the church God has charged to be leaders. And so Paul says later in the same book, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them, watch, great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. By the way, I think there is a very strong connection then. A culture of honor creates a culture of peace. Whenever you have a church where there's much tension and much division, almost always they will say this is the issue and almost always the real issue is a culture of dishonor has been created. Paul says leadership is work. That's the word he used. And a lot of us have no idea how much leaders in the church give to the church. Because so much of what they do, they don't trumpet or tell you about. And leaders cannot do their best when all they hear from us is the worst. True story about Abraham Lincoln in the White House. This could never happen today, but back then it was possible to actually go and visit the White House. And there was an older woman who asked if she could see the president. And for some reason, despite his busy schedule, she was allowed to go into the Oval Office and see the president. And he sat down and said, what can I do for you? And she shocked him and said, nothing. She said, I know you like a particular kind of cookie and I'm a good cook. I brought you a bunch of homemade cookies. Here's the cool part of the story. They say Lincoln got misty-eyed. And he said, Madam, everyone who comes to see me comes because they want something or they want to complain about something. You're the first person who has ever come to see me to give me something. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, I bet you love your leaders at your church. But here's the thing about honor. Honor isn't really honor until it's tangibly given. So, how can you love above? How can you take the honor that we're to give our leaders and make it known? They need it. Because their work is hard. I'll tell you one reason why their work is so hard. Look at the very next verse in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Third way you love above the norm. The third way you do heavyweight loving. You value difficult people. Because have you noticed some people are just harder to love 
than other people. And if you haven't noticed, you are one (laughs) of those people. It's like the story I heard of the minister that had his first Sunday at his new church. And so he was going to do a children's sermon. He brought all the kids up on stage. And this particular sanctuary had some gorgeous stained glass windows of great scenes from Scripture. And he was making a point to the children. Look at those beautiful windows. And even though it just shows one scene, each window is made of many, many small panels of glass. Because it takes many panels of glass to tell one story. And that's true in a church. And so I want you to understand that you are a little pain, and you are a little pain, and you are a little pain. And he couldn't understand why everybody was laughing, but the truth of the matter is, he was telling the truth of the matter. (laughs) Church is full of people who are little pains, and some of them aren't so little. In fact, one of the surest signs that a church is preaching the true gospel is that it attracts People who need extra grace. Don't run from a church like that. Instead, you welcome the opportunity God is giving you to be enrolled in graduate school anothering. Because how are you going to grow your another muscle? If you constantly avoid difficult people. And by the way, just remember this. God did not find any of us easy to love. The Bible reminds us in Romans 5 verse 8. That God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. While we were still Sinners. God values us not because we're easy to love, but in spite of the fact that we can be quite difficult. Jesus says, you love me like I love you. And to take love above the norm, you're going to have to value difficult people. To love as Jesus loved is to love above the idiosyncrasies that some of us, that all of us have. To love as Jesus loved is to love above the irritations that other people create for us. In fact, it is to even love above the wounds they've given us. Because if you're going to love above, you've got to learn to express kindness when wronged. There's no other way that distinguishes the another love of Jesus more than this. There is no other way that distinguishes the love of the flesh and the love of the spirit than our response to hostile people. Illustration. A couple's in bed, and the neighbor's dog in the backyard next door is barking all night. And the man finally throws back the covers and says, I can't take this anymore. 
He goes down the stairs. She hears the door slam. A few minutes later, he comes back in the house. The dog's still barking. He gets back in bed. She says, what did you do? He said, I got that dog, and I put him in our backyard. Let's see how they like it. <laughs> and that is the response of the flesh to people who upset us. And the irony is, all we're really doing is hurting ourselves. So listen to this verse. You talk about love above, listen to verse 15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Nothing requires heavy weight loving more than how you respond to a wrong. Wade Boggs is a Hall of Fame baseball player. He began his uh, storied career with the Boston Red Sox. The one place he hated to play more than anywhere else was Yankee Stadium. Not because of the Yankees, but because of their fans. One in particular. That would come early for every game, get close to the third baseline where Boggs played, and just wear him out game after game with obscenity-laced insults. One day, Boggs is out there warming up, and the guy starts in. And Boggs walks over to the wall and says, Are you the guy that's always screaming and cursing at me? And the guy stood up and said, Yes, I am, and what are you going to do about it? And Wade Boggs pulls out a brand-new baseball, autographs it, tosses it to him, and walks away. And the man never yelled at him again. Now, be honest. Somewhere in your past, there is someone who hurt you. And you've let your love level for them get static. It hasn't risen because every time you think about them, that wound reminds you of what they did. It's going to take some heavyweight loving to love that person like Jesus loved you, isn't it? See, that's the thing. Here's what Jesus is asking us to do, folks. He's asking us to raise the bar. Anybody can do lightweight loving. But who's going to go love the people that are hurting Who's going to go love the difficult, irritating people? Who's going to love the people that hurt you? I don't know if we can love like this until we become convinced that it's God in us doing the loving. I want you to always remember something. Above love is always replenishable. 
And to believe that, you're going to have to believe two things. First, you're going to have to accept where we started this series, that God absolutely, unconditionally loves you. God loves you above anything you could imagine. And then second, you're going to have to go to the only source of unlimited love. And so in the same book, Paul says in chapter 3, verse 12, May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow. And overflow. I'll say again. As a follower of Jesus. As a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the capacity. To another. Better. Than any other people group on earth. And God will help you. Become. Who your new nature is. Has given you the capacity to be. Because Jesus will not ask us to do the impossible. And he asked us to love each other like he loved us. And so let me close with a started with one more father story. Corey Hahn was well-known in high school baseball circles in California. He was Mr. Baseball his senior year. Took his team to the state title. He turned down a very lucrative contract right out of high school to play for the Padres and accepted a full-ride scholarship to Arizona State, where he started as a freshman and in his third game. Sliding into second base, his Neck hit the leg of an opposing player and broke. Paralyzed from the chest down. The young man that once could throw and run now struggles to wash his hair or hold a hamburger. His father, Dale, moved to Tempe, Arizona. He stays in one of these extended stay hotels. Every day he gets up and he goes to Corey's room. And he dresses his son. After many months, they taught him to eat by himself again. He takes him to class where Corey is able to push himself most of the way in his wheelchair. Not all the way yet. He takes him after class to therapy. After therapy, they go out and either watch a ball game or watch the team practice. The day winds up with Corey back in his room hanging out with his friends. And at 11 o'clock, Dale will come back, dress his son for bed, put the television on a timer. And slip out with a simple, good night, buddy. That's not the story they were expecting, but it's the story they're living. And someone asked Dale how he could just keep doing this. 
And his answer was profound. When you're a father, you're a father forever. There is no other story better than another story. And Jesus said, you another better than anyone else in the world will know who you are. I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to pray a blessing over all the dads as I pray. And I'm going to ask all the dads and granddads in this room to stand right now, if you can, please. So, Father, I pray now over this whole assembly, over all those who are listening in other places. And especially now, Father, for every father and grandfather listening to my voice, I pray a blessing. Often, God, we think it's the role of the mom to teach affection and love. But, but Father, the truth is most of what the next generation is going to learn about heavyweight loving, they're going to learn from these men. What they learn about faithfulness and loyalty and loving when it's hard, they're going to learn from their dads. So bless every one of these guys. Bless our church. Bless the church around the world that we another better than any other people. Bless me, God. Deliver me from static love. Help me help all of us take our love to another level. Like Jesus and for Jesus. Amen. So now let's all stand. Your father is a father forever. Always faithful. Always love above. Come to him right now. Prayer teams, take your places at every place. If you need to be prayed over, if you need to be hugged, if someone needs to help you, let's do it now. If you need to come to Christ, let's do it now. Let's receive the love of the Father who's the Father forever.